everyone. It's Amber Love from AmberUnmasked.com, and joining me today on this very special Vodka O'Clock is Joe Navarro, who uh, is an author and a consultant, and he's going to share with us some great information in a short amount of time about nonverbal communication, or something that the rest of us call body language. Joe, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you for the uh, invitation. So um, one of the things that I found truly fascinating was actually your own personal origin because the science itself of, of the nonverbal communication is fascinating, but then to read your history and, you know, what makes you uh, sort of perfect for this is how you started here in the United States. Can you just give us a quick um, rundown of that? Well, I mean, my story is like... Uh most stories uh, in America, it's, I was an immigrant here. I, I came from Cuba. I didn't speak uh, English. And so as with all immigrants, you know, the, your, your first language is really the language of the body, the body language. And um, I think most immigrants, when they come, they become very sensitive to the body language of others to see if they like you or they don't like you, if they appreciate you, if they want you to come over, if they want you to do something. And so um, I know that as a child I was sensitive to that, um, probably more so than, than my parents who were, you know, busy just trying to labor their way through uh, this new experience. But, uh, you know, and then later on in, in uh, when I decided to go into the uh, FBI, uh, one thing I quickly learned is that uh, everything we do is really about body language. Whether you're conducting uh, surveillance or you're testifying before a, a jury uh, or you're conducting an interview, uh, it's not so much the words that are important, it's it's really about the body language and of course uh, literature um, is really uh, about how descriptive you can be with, with the body language. Right, and that's something that uh, I think there are probably authors that when they're successful they they include this information and you don't even realize that it's there. In movies, I think, because of things like camera shots and, uh, you know, on, on TV, all the, the crime dramas, it's very obvious when they're showing these cues. Um, one of the shows that, that you mentioned in your book is Lie to Me, um, yeah. which is extremely exaggerated, but it's, it's just one of my favorite fun shows. Um, I know that things like The Mentalist, where they talk about doing cold readings on people. Um, they really utilize these sorts of techniques where they'll see if somebody's eyes start to perhaps tear up when you bring up a subject or if there's a little smirk or if you've triggered on something when you're trying to question them and get information out of them. So when you don't have the visual, what, you know, what sort of, uh, like tricks or situations can you can you work in to get that across to somebody well you you know it's 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 really not about trickery per se I know that's not the word you were uh, uh, looking for in fact uh, as you said that word your pro your eyes were probably scanning around yes, looking for they were the the right cue 
it's uh, you know the, what differentiates a Marlon Brando from uh, many other actors is is really their body language. You can watch uh, you can watch all of the Brando movies with the sound off. You 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 at the end, it's not like you won't get the movie. You'll get it. And the reason for that is the the the, the great uh, the, the great body language. I mean that simple act of uh, him sitting there just scratching his face, uh, that uh, sends a tremendous uh, message. And, uh, you know, the, the, the great actors uh, uh, tap, uh, great actors tap into that, great authors tap into that. You know, doing a cold reading is, is really not about uh, something magical. It's, uh, you know, when you when you see that uh, that the man is uh, wearing a T-shirt and one arm is is more tan than the other, okay, that person spends a lot of time on the road. Uh, they're in a car or a truck. Are they a truck driver? You look at the at, at the shoes, and I mean, you you learn what I've learned in life really is that. There are really very few good observers. Uh, most people uh, go through life and, and they see, but they don't observe. I'm definitely guilty of that, and, and I don't I don't know if it's a like need to sort of protect myself, like oh I I couldn't dare like make eye contact with all of these people and just, you know walk by without actually looking. But yet if I'm if I'm sitting and I make it purposeful, I can watch other people and what's going on around me. Yeah, well, the, you know, the key to a good observation is is really to be non-intrusive, so you don't make eye contact. Uh, you you learn to uh, look globally without fixing on on any one uh, thing. But I mean, if, as you scan someone. Uh, very quickly, and you know, in, in you know a fourth of a second, uh, you can. Uh, there's been studies that have been shown that uh, about 70 to 80 percent of the time, you're pretty much going to be accurate as to um, whether or not this person is friendly or, or unfriendly, approachable. Um, are they uh, are they kind? Uh, and, and you can get to where you can you know pick out uh, things like how well educated they are and so forth. And, and this isn't about judging people. This is about what we transmit. We, we you know, if, if we dress ourselves um, and our brain controls our, our bodies, uh, what we do each day is really a reflection of our, of our personality and, and our health. And, and you can see it on television. I mean, if you if you see the the show about orders, all you have to do is walk into that room once, and you can and you can tell all the problems this person is having psychologically. You don't have to actually meet the person. Um, and oftentimes, the the artifacts that we collect, how we carry ourselves, and so forth, um, transmit a lot of information. And of course, when when you go see a uh, a palm reader or any one of these people, um, that's that's all they're picking up on. Um, and well, one of the things that, that 
is uh, is coming out is you know like you said it's it's not about about judging others but yet something nonverbal related hit the news headlines this week and it was that bald men are perceived as being more powerful so um well you know. uh, yeah and they're they're perceived as more powerful but less sexy uh but that's been around for ages i mean i, I saw studies on that in the 50s uh, I think it's making headlines because of the the people that are sexy, like Bruce Willis. I think I think that when when there's a celebrity yeah. that they can tie to to something, it's but, you know media headline again. Well, I mean, no, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, I remember reading when the you know Popeye series came out, and and men were proud to uh, you know and, and you know and they were made out to to. Uh, to uh, to look powerful, um, and, and there may be something to it because of the uh, you know the um, the uh, you know testosterone issues and and, and so forth. But um, you know, but this again, this has nothing to do with uh, with whether a person is uh, you know the judgment uh, thing of uh, good or bad. It's how we perceive um, it's how we perceive uh, individuals. And how they make us, uh, how they make us feel. And um, you know, I, you know, there's there's very few people out there that would say, yeah, I really like the uh, the uh, the short, hairy, squatty guy. <laughs> uh, you know, you hear, oh, I, I prefer tall, dark, and handsome, or at least when I read Cosmopolitan uh, for those things. That's, yeah, there's a, you can tell all the Mad Men fans. Yeah, I mean. The, you know, there's a handsome uh, guy. There's, there's, there's no doubt about it. But uh, you know, those are, those are preferences, and, and uh, we, we feel different things um, uh, de- depending on uh, on what we see. I mean, right now we're in the middle of a presidential uh, election, and uh, something so simple as how uh, uh, President Obama bounds up the stairs of Air Force One. Uh, Makes him out to be uh, youthful, strong, and uh, and and exciting, w- w- versus somebody who maybe just as healthy, maybe just as intelligent, but if they somber up the stairs, that gives us a, or uh, walk slowly up the stairs, that gives us a different impression. So we're at a subconscious level. Uh, we are primarily influenced non-verbally. We're we're. Very few people are influenced uh, uh, primarily uh, verbally. And um, some of the things that people might not think about as far as nonverbal cues are things like, um, you know, they might not be typically visuals, what we're thinking, like not a facial expression, you know, how much cologne and perfume somebody is wearing or the condition of their desk. If you're going in for you know an interview or something, or if you're meeting somebody for the first time, and um, you know the, the their car might be a mess. <laughs> yeah, well, that's and that's why we call it nonverbals because it, it's not just body language; it's any nonverbals is anything that communicates a message, a thought, or a feeling, or an idea, but is not a word. So if you cough a lot. Uh, that communicates something about you. 
if you have a messy house, that communicates something about you. If you can't keep time, if you react too slowly to something that arises in front of you, that communicates something about you. If you rise quickly, uh, moving to action, that communicates that you care and that you get it. Some people just don't get it and uh, and take forever to react. And so um, all of these things communicate. As you look at, uh, like I said, the presidential debates, you'll notice that uh, they're always in front of a blue background or primarily in front of a blue background because that's that's the comfort color, that's the color of competence. And that's why you see the chairman of uh, or the CEO of uh, Apple, Microsoft, Ford, uh, you'll always see them in front of a blue background. That is a very traditional corporate color. It is. Definitely. It's in so many corporate logos. Yeah, and it's in... Uh, and it's also, uh, you know, you, they're not going to be in, in front of green, I, I assure you. But, you know, the Pentagon uses it. But it's, uh, you know, it's that's part of nonverbals, the research behind color, smell. Uh, you know, uh, people put on colognes and perfumes to go out. And actually, if you're dating, that's the absolute worst thing you can do. Um, uh, because it's hiding who you are? Yeah, you want to actually uh, promote your 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 own chemistry, um, and that will uh, will actually help to solidify a, a longer relationship. That's great. That's a, a great piece of advice. Something else that I wanted to get from the crime writer aspect is um, this, you know, is perhaps a really old myth, but something I have seen on a couple of mystery TV shows, and that is that. A, when a guilty person is finally caught yeah. and they're, you know, awaiting whatever, perhaps booking or awaiting the next step, they'll be the person that falls asleep because there's nothing else for them to stress about. Yeah. Is that actually true? Um, I've never really uh, noticed that. Um, usually uh, it has to do with... Uh, with what the person has been doing and what their lifestyle is. I'll give you an example. People who habitually, who have been in jail many times, uh, uh, for them, uh, it's you know, it's it's just one more process. They've been through it, so they're not uh, they're not really bothered uh, by it. Um, you know, if, if you've been arrested uh, nine times by the time you're 20, uh, you, you know what the protocol is. Um, so. Uh, what most people, uh, for instance, don't uh, miss is things like, if you're arrested, why would you yawn? And um, most people don't realize that yawning is a pacifier. Um, it, um, when, you, when you yawn, it, it puts pressure on your mandibular um, nerves, the nerves in that area, and it actually helps you to calm down. Um, and also... If you're really stressed, um, this sudden rush of air uh, through your mouth, um, it helps to cool your blood because the palate above your tongue is very vascular. And so that, that blood that now goes into your brain is actually cooled. Uh, it's actually useful when you have babies. If they're yawning a lot, they're probably, uh, they're probably hot. So here's here's some nonverbals that that uh, that people miss. And when I first came into law enforcement, I couldn't understand it. 
with somebody, why would they yawn? Because I always associated yawning with being bored or... Being bored, sleepy, perhaps, you know, rude. A pacifier. It's a great way to deal with stress. Uh, so... Um, what do you think, uh, I don't know if you, because of your crazy busy schedule these days, like you said, it's a, an election here in the U.S., so that's got, you know, you hopping all over, but uh, have you ever seen a television program or perhaps a book that you think got it right? Well, I mean, yeah, there's, um, there's been a lot of... Uh, books, uh, I mean, if you read Steinbeck, um, you almost feel like you're there. Um, I mean, there's so many great uh, Nabokov, uh, the Russian writer, um, their, their detail, um, um, all the, uh, the Holmes movies, um, the, the the detail is uh, is really what makes it uh, uh, fascinating. Even Harry Potter is uh, pretty good. But, but as far as you know, like television, yeah, Lie to Me was interesting because I think the first two shows were interesting. Um, it was based on Paul Ekman's work, and of course, television tries to simplify the. Uh, the, uh, the the complex. I think for people who had never studied nonverbals, it was an eye opener. Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, but I think for people who have studied this for a very long time, um, we tend to see that okay, so you saw a smirk. Now on television, and the smirk is going to be equated with, or or a look of contempt is going to be equated with deception. Um, and that's totally false. <laughs> uh, it sounds good, but but it's not right because if if you ever go to a prison, um, you will see nothing but contempt and smirks uh, all day long uh, because that's just how people feel about you. It doesn't mean they're lying. It just this is just. Uh, uh, it's it's the same way that you often see at the TSA lines at the airport, and you see the, uh, a parent uh, being watching their child, uh, three-year-old uh, cheerleading child going to a cheerleading competition. I saw this the other day, and they're you know they're frisking this child, and the mother's there wow. looking with contempt. And it has nothing to do with deception. It just has to do with feelings. But if you see it on television, they say, oh, uh, the person is lying. Well, that's just trash. I mean, it's utter tripe. But, you know, it appeals to to audiences. So one of the things that um, comes up in your books is that it's a lot of these are cues for whether it's the investigator, the detective, whatever the, you know, the role on the other side is, it's just a, it's a cue to look further. And, and you know... A that's exactly right. It, and that's all it is. There, there is no Pinocchio effect. There is no single behavior indicative of, this, of deception. These are just behaviors that say, hmm, you said something, 
They reacted to it. It was negative. The question is why? Is it because they don't like me? Is it because it's too personal? Is it because something they've done wrong? You just never know the why. You know, it's uh, in, in the. I think it was in my book. Uh, what everybody is saying. I talk about the lady who uh, is being interviewed on a white collar crime case, and she comes in, and usually the first thirty minutes I spend calming people down. Um, but as the time increased, she became more nervous. She became more tense. She was biting her lips. She was touching her neck, which is usually a very accurate indicator of some psychological distress. And finally, I just, uh, I, you know, I, thinking myself, the clever investigator that I am, I, I felt like, oh, she's ready to confess right here and now. And I said, ma'am, is there something you want to get off your chest? And she says, yeah. When I parked downstairs, I only had a quarter in the meat. Behaviors that on a show like Lie to Me would have been associated with, oh my God, this woman is lying. She's murdered somebody or something. She's just worried about the meter because she doesn't have any money. And as it turns out, her, her identity was stolen, and she had nothing to do with, with any kind of criminal act anyway. So here was a perfect, perfect read on my part. But what was behind it? What was behind it was she didn't want to have to pay the $7 fine. And uh, so we went downstairs, and I, and I paid her um, the meter. But that's, that's the problem with, with what I see, the CSI they see it on TV and they think, oh, we're going to like find a fingerprint. I've done hundreds of crime scenes and you never find the latent prints like you find on television. On television, you find these beautiful latent prints. Uh, most people don't roll their finger so that uh, there's a perfect print left behind. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not that easy. No, definitely not. Um, I, I, I've seen some clues that, uh, you know, really do require some paying attention, such as how somebody fixed their coffee. And, you know, so the coffee cup is sitting there and it was fixed exactly as that person would have had it. Um, I, don't, I don't know that real detectives actually get the opportunity to have clues placed in front of them that way. Well, you... I mean, there there's some things that um, that I mean. I, I've been to a crime scene where all of a sudden, you know, you see Marlboro cigarette, Marlboro cigarette, Marlboro cigarette, and then all of a sudden, um, somebody's found dead, and there's a, a Camel cigarette there. And you have to ask, who is this? Why did they switch? Uh, did somebody come in? Um, was this an invited guest or an uninvited guest? When, when, you know, if it's sitting on top, so that's the last cigarette butt that was placed there. So this is a recent vintage. Now, you know, I, I had a case like that, and um, you know, I was fortunate because I wasn't a smoker that I picked up on that um, because I'm sensitive to the to the smell. But you. Uh, you just wonder, I mean, how many crime scenes people have been to and, and maybe they don't pay attention to, um, you know, the little things. Like the the woman who's found on the 
floor dead, and her right earring is uh, is missing. And then you wonder, well, why is the right ear missing? So that's uh, that's one for you. Uh, <laughs> well, on TV they do that because they have to take their earrings off to talk on the phone. Yeah, and interestingly enough, yeah, on TV they do that. And in real life, and uh, that's something that exact happened just like that in uh, Yuma, or not in Yuma, in Phoenix, Arizona, in 1979. <laughs> and, you know, of course, that was before, you know, telephones kept track of uh, who's calling and, and, and so forth. Uh, but that's exactly, uh, you know, what she, what she was doing. She was on the um, uh, on the phone, and she took her earring off. We couldn't, we couldn't figure it out. Look, <laughs> we had a female agent say, "You guys, yeah. come on, come on, guys." Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that? Um, by advancing the science, and I because I know that you teach. Um, more than what I'm looking at as criminal techniques, you teach uh, things for like being a better poker player, and you teach corporate executives right. about uh, about these same skills. Yeah. And one of the the first questions that came up for me was, "Wow, I wonder if people who study these classes just are simply becoming better liars." Um, actually, no. Um, I. I think the, the uh, you know, if you were to ask me, are you a better liar because I know these things, I would say no. In fact, I'm a terrible liar. Um, I think what this teaches you is, and why companies um, spend a lot of money uh, investing in this, is because it makes you more sensitive to others, it makes you more empathetic, and it cuts communication time uh, so much briefly. I mean, can you imagine if you're talking to somebody for, for you're making a sales pitch, and the, the person is sitting there nodding their head, but they're pursing their lips. Two different behaviors. Now, most people think, oh, they're nodding their head, they're in agreement, they're in agreement. How much better it is for everybody if you realize that the minute somebody purses their lips or disagreeing with you, why waste their time? The, the person that's ignorant of this would just continue and continue and continue thinking, oh, his head is going up and down. No. That means I'm registering what you're saying, but I'm disagreeing with everything you say. A person who studies nonverbal sees a lip purse and says, well, what do you think? Right there. And it cuts every, it, it, it just shaves so much time, and then they perceive you as being empathetic, uh, as being sensitive, as being someone that uh, has what we call emotional or social intelligence. I mean, the last thing you want in your life is to deal with social aardvarks, right? You're talking to somebody in the hallway, and you're giving every, every nonverbal that you don't want to be bothered, but your feet are pointed towards the other person's feet. And it's the social art part that will barge right in just because you turned from above the waist and waved. Well, the socially intelligent will only approach if, if your feet move to welcome them in. Um, the upper body is just, you know, a, a social behavior. It's 
it's it's not about deception. It's it's about how much more confident you can be as a communicator. Well, um, this you know a, a final subject that I wanted to get before you have to run is that all of these, uh, or not necessarily all of them, but definitely some of these behaviors that we do are very specific culturally to where you are. You were just talking about the nodding up and down with your head, and when I was in Poland, that meant no. Well, in Poland, well, you you bring up a good point. There are uh, cultural cues, but... Um, in, in both Poland and in, um, for instance, in Bulgaria, when you ask a person a question and they they nod up and down, yes, that's true. That means no. So you have to add cultural context. But for the most part, in the United States, um, when you're talking to somebody and they're nodding their head, what they're doing is they're demarking each point that they're receiving but uh, the the lip pursing for instance is universal we know it's universal because uh, children who are born blind when they talk to other children who are born blind they do this behavior and they've never and they've never seen it that's remarkable that this you know the studies can include that Um, if you think that's remarkable when we hear things or we see things we don't like cover our eyes Um, children who are born blind when they hear things they don't like they don't cover their ears they cover their eyes and they've never seen so this is this is part of our limbic responses these are part of our paleo circuits they're millions of years old and um, and so there are there are behavioral cues that are universal. Anything that comes from the limbic system is uh, is universal, and we share that um, uh, acl- across the globe. That's just fantastic to to hear some of these these details. Um, so I know that your website is jnforensics.com. Yep. Um, and are, you're still writing for Psychology Today. I do. I write. Uh, I try to write uh, at least one article every uh, every few months. I have, uh, I think, twenty seven, maybe twenty something articles out there. Um, they can all be found through my website uh, or through. Um, I also have JoeNavarro.net, which is uh, easier. You can just Google uh, my name and Psychology Today articles, and they're out there. Um, and then I have uh, all my books are on Amazon, so uh, they can be found there. That's great. Um, and because the elections are coming up, mm-hmm. um, are there any special programs where we can keep an eye out for you? Um, well, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm doing one for the BBC uh, radio uh, next week, and right now I'm waiting to hear from uh, both the ABC and CBS to see if we're going to do something. Uh, in the next day or two, um, so uh, nothing, uh, nothing in the works uh, right now. Okay. Um, what, one of the people I would love to see you um, give uh, a, a critique on is J.K. Rowling because her, her interviews are just—it seems like she's not moving, 
and yet the little things that she does make her her look very cold and unwelcoming. So when you know if you get the, any of those BBC opportunities, I would love to see that. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I have studied her, um, and if you look at her earlier work uh, when she was when she first became um, popular uh, versus now, you can see where there's been a lot of perception management. Um, but also keep in mind uh, what her history is and where she came from and uh, the fact that, you know, she was living in council housing and uh, basically on welfare and so forth. And so she has a lot of the behaviors of the person who wants to hide in the open. Oh, so she hasn't she hasn't moved past that. She's just... She you know. she has she has a lot of the features of the introvert. Uh, the the impression one gets is that uh, there's a lot of introversion there, and so there's a lot of uh, there's not a lot of uh, expressiveness. If you compare the interviews, the last one I saw, which was about two weeks ago, with her new book, uh, which right. is for adults. Uh, she is so much different than when she was uh, first came on the scene, uh, you know, a decade and a half ago. Yeah. That's what I thought too. I thought something. I, I just I didn't know if she just seemed bothered by fame, or if she was tired of people asking her about the same questions over and over again that she's answered already for ten years. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure that <laughs> the, that. The, that that becomes a, a burden at uh, at her level, um, but she's definitely changed uh, how she dresses. Uh, she is, uh, you know, very much still uh, very articulate, uh, but I would still look at her as a, a very uh, sort of introverted person, which, which, I, and for some, I mean, it's it's good for many people. It's uh, it, it gives them uh, the ability to take great comfort in being alone. And if you're a writer, uh, that you, you have to be that. Yeah, I, I I would think would be for it would be very difficult for a extrovert to uh, to be a writer because extrovert gets uh, energy gets their energy from being around a lot of people, and that I think would take you away from uh, writing. It, it is definitely. Uh Joe, I don't want to hold you up because I know you've got a, a million things to do, but thank you for, for joining us today. Uh, it's my, it's my uh, pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, I, I would just tell people, you know, if, if, if they're, especially if they're writers, um, to really pay attention to, uh, to, to body language because it's, it's the subtle things that, is, that are transacted between humans that um, that provide uh, so much meaning, such as a pause or a delay in speaking, or you know the biting of the lips before a person answers. Uh, that actually reveals a lot about the character. Anyway, that's great. Good that's luck, Paul. All. all right, Joe. Um, don't forget, guys, that's jnforensics.com or joanavarro.net. You can find me at Elizabeth Amber on Twitter and amberunmasked.com. Thanks for listening.